This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, welcome to IntelliCast, season six, episode 12. I feel like we haven't recorded in a month. I know. It also felt like this week has been a month, so oh, yeah. yeah. It has been I a mean, couple weeks. You were out traveling last week, so. We're recording this on, you know, we never tell people we're recording. We're recording on May 5th. It's a Friday, Cinco de Mayo, one fifteen p.m. Eastern time. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Beautiful day here in Southern Ohio. Oh, amazing. Beautiful. April stunk. May so far off to a great start. A little cool, but it's been sunny and beautiful the last couple of days. Yep. Um, thank you for listening. This is season six, episode twelve. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research or IntelliCast One. You can leave us a text or a voicemail, 513-401-5463. I met a lot of people in the last couple of weeks that listened to our podcast, and I also met a lot of people that had no idea we had a podcast, including people that have like I've known for years. So I think that people, if you're on LinkedIn, you probably know about our podcast. If you're not on LinkedIn, you may not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into the Insight Association National Conference a little bit here in a second. Um, a little MR news. I want to talk about kind of upcoming events. Yeah, we have one coming up in a couple of weeks. We have a webinar that we are presenting with Brand Trust. It is, correct me if I'm wrong, May 18th, Brian? May 18th at noon, I think. Yes, um, noon. It's a continuation of mental health series. Um, so we'll be doing a webinar to discuss findings. Um, I think we're going to, now that at least my part of the conference season has kind of ended for the spring, um, focus a little bit more on analyzing mental health data. And so join us May 18th for some really cool stuff. Bring your Kleenex because it's a really tough topic, but really cool research and really cool partnership, and really cool insights. Um, so May 18th, put that on your calendar. Um, we'll announce that soon, probably this week, next week. We will have the link in the show notes to register. Okay. Then... Oh, man, we're so close to you getting on stage. You're up next, buddy. I know. <laughs> IIEX, Austin, May 24th and 25th. Man, how excited are you? It's a combination of excitement and nerves at this point. Yeah. So this will be a really how the sausage is made. I was practicing my presentation this morning. Oh, were you? I was. So yeah. I had to make a couple of little minor tweaks, but nothing yeah. major. All right, what's your style? Is your style to try to kind of memorize it or will you read notes or how will you do it? See, here's the thing. Normally I like to have the bullet point notes for like the slide. So I make sure I hit the key points, but how I practice it and how I say it is going to be different every time. Yeah. But I don't know how this goes. 
honestly. I don't know how the presentation goes at IIX. So I'm a, I'm I'm not quite sure how this is going to work. I don't know if like am I kind of walking around? Do I have a mic? Do I get notes? Do I not? I don't know how this work quite works yet. So I have to play a little bit by ear. Yeah, and so last year it's in the same facility as it was last year, and it was still under like COVID protocol last year. Mm-hmm. And that meant that it was one giant kind of convention center, conference center, and in the corners of a giant room were the stages. And so there were there were really five stages, but four main stages. And the vendor was the entire conference. And because of COVID and because of four simultaneous presentations, you wore headphones. And your headphones could switch to the color-coded stage you're on. Hmm. So if you were in the back, that stage red, you want to listen to it, you go back there, you put your headphones on, you switch your headphones to red. And you okay. To stage, switch to green. Or I mean, you could sit at the red stage and listen to blue. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Um, I assume they'll do that again this year, only because, well, maybe they may not, um, maybe it's okay to have four simultaneous presentations at the same time with people speaking with a mic. I don't think it'll be too disruptive. So my guess is you'll be speaking normally on a smaller stage. I mean, smaller, I say that'll seat 150 people. Um, you may or may not have notes available. So yeah, you, you can walk around, you'll have a microphone, but it'll be weird if you're speaking to people with headphones on. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have the schedule pulled up. I am at, I have the 205 presentation slot on Thursday, and there is only one other session going on at that time. Okay. So do you think they haven't announced it yet, or is there just two presentations? I think there's just two. There are yeah. sometimes, so looking on here, there are slots that only have one. It's the main one. There are slots that have just two. And then there are slots that have four. Okay. Well, we'll have to like do a deeper dive of the stages and see what's going on and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. The other, the other presentation at that time is DEI, when innovation is in action. So that okay. is the green stage. I am apparently the red stage. Oh, okay. My example was re- really close. Yeah. I've seen some on here that are blue stages. It looks like blue stage, podcast stage, red stage, and green state are the stages. Okay. So, so it's going to be just like they were, they were 95% sure there will be headphones. All right. Which means you will be speaking to people wearing a headphone, and there will not be people kind of chatter. Okay. <laughs> Weird. Um, yeah, I see you. There you are. Um, okay, cool. Well, that's exciting, though. Regardless, that's exciting that you get to do this and represent EMI and go talk about what you do, and that's awesome. So May 25th at 2.05 in Austin, Texas, that's that's where you'll be. Yeah. Um, then Quartz, New York. I don't know if we're going to be there or not, but I wanted to mention Quartz, July 19th and 20th, uh, mostly because I'm hoping to have Dan Quirk or someone from the Quirk family at our Insights Association North Central Fall Conference in Minneapolis, home of the Quirk family, September 6th or 8th. 
Um, maybe he can bring a xylophone. Maybe yep. he will show up and maybe speak a little bit about research in Minneapolis because he is Mr. Minneapolis and wears some of his fancy attire. He always dresses up very nice. He's he's in the, if you had to list a Mount Rushmore of dressers, he's an on it, I think. Okay. I've seen Raj Minoka Minocha a lot recently. He's been to all the conferences I've been to, and he is still number one. I do not see him um, losing the mantle of that award. He's like a six-time winner. It's a lot, it's really a it's really a domination um, that Raj has done, and no one's really stepped up to take his his trophy. But Dan Cork is up there. But I'm hoping that he'll come to our September sixth through eighth conference since it's his home team, home city, and we're kind of invading his territory. And we're all friends here, right? Quirks right. And Association and we all have the same goals and you know we go to quirks and lots of people are members of inside association so ooh, that was a lot about just conferences yes and conference um, talk isn't over we'll take a little segue into some market research news first okay first up big village who a few what is it a couple months ago had bankruptcy as part of their parent company, has sold its insights and agency business to Blue Mountain Media, a holding company for $20 million. Yes. Bright Mountain Media says the addition of the two divisions, data-driven insights capabilities will add approximately $50 million to its own annual revenue, says its CEO, Matt Drinkwater. So I don't know. I like that it's – we knew that that was the part not causing the bankruptcy, that that was the profitable sectors. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It seems like they got it for a steal. If it's adding fifty million to the new company's revenues, and they only got it for twenty, yeah. What's going on there? Um, they taking maybe they're taking some of the they're taking the debt as part of it, and they're going to pay that off. Who knows? Yeah. So hopefully this is good news for Big Village. Who I mean, it's kind of sad they're not going to refuel. Um, but you know, this sounds like a good move for them and wishing them all the luck. It's really, we know a lot of people there. They have a lot of local people in Cincinnati, good company. And so wishing them the best. Next up is the latest Bellwether report by the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising or the IPA found that UK market research spending fell by a net 3.2% in the Q1 of 2023. It also found that 8.2% of companies increased marketing spend compared to the 11.4% that cut research budgets. So there was still – you had some cut, some increase, but a net down at that point. And I know we here based in the US, people are probably wondering, Brian, why would you bring this up? But I, I like to look at these because it does give good parallels to what's kind of going on here. Yep. Right? And it's amazing, you know, Research Live – this is where we got this, and they do. I feel like they get really accurate UK numbers so much faster than the US. Now, UK yeah. obviously is a smaller market than the US, and you know different rules on reporting and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's usually a pretty strong correlation to what's happening happening in Europe and the UK and the US. I have a feeling it's going to be down a little bit more in the US um, than three point two percent. I think after talking to a lot of people the last few weeks at conferences, I feel like we this was the kind of a weird quarter, at least Q1 was, um, with the economy, with what was happening. I think I think it's turned around here in Q2. But we'll see. But I haven't seen any Q2 announcements, Q1 announcements from U.S. companies yet. No. Nope. They should be coming out next week. So 
you know, hopefully that's better than I expected. We'll see. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Right. You ready to jump into your trip down to Hilton Head? Yeah. And can I start off? Yeah. I mean, what a way to get a vacation down to Hilton Head. Yeah. And call it work. Let's be honest here. Well. Fantastic pick. Yeah. Well, first off, whoever picked it, good job. Hats Beautiful. off. Beautiful. I haven't been to Hilton Head since I was a little kid. I don't remember it. It's changed a lot. Um, it was going to be a lot of vacation. And it turned into not being hardly any vacation yeah. for various reasons. I had here's the leisure that I did in the Hilton Head. I'll just tell you every second. Okay. Um, had one hour on Sunday before the conference, and I um, took an Uber to the beach. And Bonnie, my dog, played in the ocean. Um, and then had bike rides back and forth from the conference, and that's it. And the bike rides has a bit more of a story, wasn't it? Because you couldn't get an Uber. Yeah, Ubers were horrible on that island. Horrible. And so I hitched a ride. I wasn't in the conference hotel. There were a few of us at a, at a home two suites, Hilton property. A little bit less expensive, about a mile away. Beautiful hotel, though. And uh, there was a few people there. At that, And I hitched a ride and um, a couple times. But it was really impossible to find an Uber. So I just rented a bicycle. It was only a mile. It was flat. It was easy. It was very nice actually mm-hmm. um but part of the funny part of that is that they give out awards at the conference and so there's lots of laureates which we can talk about here in a second um and we won our chapter the north central chapter won chapter of the year which was really cool um being a part of that chapter for the past few years i know how hard people work how amazing our committees are i just got out of an amazing committee meeting two minutes before we started this podcast just so many engaged volunteers that are working really hard, which was awesome. And I can tell more about that story. But anyway, we won an award. It was just a giant plaque. And I was like, how do I get this back to my hotel? I got to put it in the basket of my bike at 930 at night and ride it back to the hotel. Thankfully, a coworker was there and he took it up to the room. But I didn't have to do that. But um, yeah, Hilton Head's beautiful. Great place for a conference um, other than travel to get there. It's really hard to get there. Number one complaint was probably, how do I get there? Um, yeah. But yeah. you avoided the spring break kind of area. And I know that's not the big spring break area. Like, yeah. like one of the key ones. It does get a little bit of that. But oh, this is like just wealthy vacationers, golfers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very. I've affluent. been there. I love it. Yeah. It's very affluent area. Um, but yeah, the hotel was amazing. You could walk, you know, one minute and you'd be on the on the you'd be on the ocean. Um, but I love the conference. It was probably the best one I've ever been to. Um, I encourage everybody to go get involved with your chapter um, with this association and try to go to this conference because it is just like collaborative and informative and um, friendly and it's reinvigorating in a way because of the awards and how you acknowledge people's hard work um, over their careers. And it's just cool to see people getting acknowledged like that for all they've done for the industry. Um, Chuck Miller, who I co-presented with was one of the laureates and I mean, well-deserved. I mean, I joked around that he's been doing internet research before the internet was invented. Um, he's been doing kind of what I do now, you know, a long time before I started doing it, 15 years before I started doing it. Right. 
And so it was an honor to be on stage with him, but he was one of the laureates and some friends of mine were honored um, as laureates and just want to cool to get acknowledged in front of all of these VIPs in the industry and thought leaders in the industry. And so it's just cool. So try to go to that um, next year if you can. Um, yeah, and we won chapter of the year, which is really cool. Uh, Lindsay Bachmore, we should have her on the show at some point. She was our president last year while I was president-elect. And she is so detail-oriented, was so driven. Um, if you remember last year was the first year that the chapters um, had merged. Yep. And so um, that was really hard that she went through that. And she did it seamlessly. So, I mean, a lot of it's on her that we won this. But then, you know, the content's great. There's this, like, a state-of-the-industry kind of stuff, which I love. Howard Feinberg spoke about lots of things with, you know, legislative stuff and non-competes. And Stuart Pardo was there, the attorney, Friends Association, um, you know, talking about the similar topics. And Melanie Cartwright gave, hey, here's what the goals of our organization is, and here's what we achieved, and here's what we are going to do moving forward. And um, amazing topics, so much artificial intelligence. Um, um, unbelievable amount of artificial intelligence discussion. And man, I couldn't believe it. It just, just in the past yeah. few months, I don't think last year we were talking about it very much as an industry. This year, it's yeah. all we're talking about. Right. Not only just talking about it, like here's what we've implemented. Here's our, here's how we're being more efficient. Here's our new product. I mean, it's crazy. Can I ask something about just the artificial intelligence in general? Because yeah. I've been in this industry a little over five years now. Yeah. And the first couple of years it was talked about, but everyone was talking about like it's this, but there wasn't any like practical usage behind it. Everyone was talking about it. Is it now that technology has finally caught up with the idea of it? And that's why we're seeing so much. It just seems like they're all coming out in the span of the last like six months. Yeah, there's so much practical use for it. Um, Jamin Brazil led a discussion and a panel on it. And um the room was pretty split with what people were, how, what people's knowledge of what was happening. A lot of people were like all in and some people were like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I think when we talk about it internally at the office, that's the same kind of thing. Like yeah. what's chat GPT. And, you know, some of us were just all in on chat GPT, right? Some of us may have used it to write conference submissions. Yeah. We, we did all kinds of stuff. Um, and so you know, people, you know, basic stuff that you can do today are things like you can write a questionnaire. You can go to ChatGPT right now and say, write me a questionnaire about whether you like, what kind of shampoo you like to use. And it'll do it in 30 seconds. And it'll be pretty good. Not perfect. Pretty good. Yep. You know, 80, 90% of the way there. You can write a discussion guide. You can summarize data. And anybody can do this right now. Um, and so... That's how we're using it. It's just we're just kind of playing around with it and investigating its uses and summarizing um, themes from open ends. We put 3,000 open ends into it and said, summarize it with five key themes and I'll do it. Um, now, is it perfect? No. Yeah. You have to proof it. Um, you kind of have to tinker with it, um, change it up because it's, you know, you might ask the question the wrong way the first time. You kind of have to learn a little bit how to maximize its abilities. Um, I changed my signature now twice. I've changed my, I wrote my whole LinkedIn profile, three, three conference presentations. Um, we've done a lot with it. Yeah. Um, You've had it wrap some different, make some wraps of different stuff. Yeah, we've written okay. poems and wraps and 
you had you had a different program make a presentation about what was it the history of the Bengals was one I forget the other one you did the other day um it t- teach us about artificial intelligence yep <laughs> um you had chat gpt teach you how to use emoticons that's right i'm not an emoji person didn't know how to use it and taught me how to do that so it's you know a lot of people more, more practical uses are like discussion guides being more efficient with things i don't think it's going to take away jobs but it'll make people more efficient and then some really practical uses that people have developed invested in building um so we heard that Protege, which bought, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting, and I know this. They bought um, Polefish. Yep, Polefish. Yeah, I couldn't think of it either. And they, um, they, that's their programming interface, and they can, they now can use artificial intelligence within the programming interface to um, program a survey. Like, hey, program a survey for this, which is crazy. You know, the programming used to take a week, and now they could do it in like literally ten seconds. Right. How, who's going to leverage that the best without using the skill set that we have as researchers? Because you don't want to lose that, right? Right. Because there's certainly a lot of things in our heads that and knowledge that we've acquired over our careers that are important and that no matter how advanced an AI is, it can't replicate that. But it can do a lot of cool things. That was a big topic. Everybody was talking about it. And then our presentation, we um, Chuck and I talked Chuck Miller, if you don't know him, um, DM2, he really started with AOL DMS building one of the first panels and has done research on panels and quality for, gosh, 25 years. Um, So co-presented with him, and we partnered with Research Defender and Big Nesh, who's a listener. I'm sure he's listening right now. Try to understand the impact of activity data. And activity data is a measure that Research Defender utilizes to measure kind of the times are routed to a survey. Now, we don't know that the, there's a number associated with it over a 24-hour period. That's how we look at it. And we don't know what their status is on it. But if you have a 10, it doesn't mean you completed 10 surveys. It might, might mean you were routed to four surveys and you um, didn't qualify for them. Or it could mean that you routed to four surveys and you completed them. But it is kind of a correlated with um, how often or how many surveys you take. So we're just evaluating that and relating it to quality and um, really cool findings, which we'll probably do a webinar in the summer sometime. Yep. Um, but it's really cool to present with him. And, you know, the case people reached out because that's some, that was a case topic a couple of years ago. And I mentioned case in, in the presentation. So this might be the beginning of a new research with case. As, as an industry, we have to figure out what we're going to do with these people. Right. People that take 20 surveys in a day, do we care? Like, does it matter? Like, are they professional respondents? And if, what if they're a great respondent? What if they have a thorough open end? They're engaged? What if they just want to get the points? What if they're playing yeah. a video game? I got to answer another survey. I need new life. I need to unlock this box. Yeah. So there's. Does it matter? As an industry, um, we're still trying to figure that out. I think we're leading in that. We're doing some of the first analysis. I mean, I presented data, millions of respondents, literally millions, which was really cool. Um, that had millions of data. So we're making decisions on that. You know, sometimes with research and research, you have 200 or 300. I have millions that I'm looking at. Now. Right. Jared, our insights team is looking at. Um, but it was cool to present. 
had a full room, lots of questions. If you're talking about data quality stuff, you're always going to get a full room. You're always getting a lot of questions. Chuck and I joked that why don't we just come in and introduce ourselves and take questions for 20 minutes? And we could have seriously done that. We could have said, <laughs> we are experts in quality. Fire questions away. And we would have been there all day long if they would have let us. Yeah. We would have launched by 15 minutes. That's how many questions we had. It was just awesome to be on stage with him. And thank you to Chuck and thank you to Vig Nash for the partnership. And you had said like you had a pretty packed house for that presentation too. Yeah, they told us it was the fullest room and most engaged people. You know, they, they always have someone who's kind of the MC of the room. And um, they get to introduce the speakers and they're there all day. And they can kind of connect the dots if you're in that track all day long. And she was like, this room is so full and engaged. Like what happened? I was like, you, you want to talk about data quality? Yeah. Full room. And then let me tell you also, it was also full of peers in the industry. I mean, everybody was there. Dynata was there and Sago and Schlesinger and Torfac and, you know, Research Defender and Taluna and every sample company that was at the conference was in the room. So that was a little intimidating too. Well, also, isn't this kind of like the first time at a mainstream conference activity data has been talked about? Yeah. Too? So yeah. it's kind of that opening piece too that everyone wants to hear this. Like, hey, we we know about this. No one has like opinion or no one's made their opinion known yet. Let's hear it. Yeah. And so one of the reasons I showed a slide and I just asked the audience, like, we have an internal debate at EMI what to do with people. I mean, a little bit of hint on the research is that the higher activity number, so the more surveys you take, you get diminishing um, non proportion of good respondents. Um, and it's highly correlated. So at a certain point, um, out of 100 people, it starts off like 85 are good and 15 are bad. And then you add a little bit more activity, look at it. 75 are good, 25 are bad. A little bit further, 65 are good, 35 are bad. More activity. All right, now we're at 60, 40. And then it's like, at what point do you start blocking these people? Because we could block them. Right. So I asked the, ask the people in the audience, if if you have 100 respondents and you know 60 are good and 40 are bad, do you block them? And a lot of people said yes. I'm still unsure. I don't know if we, I don't think we should. I think it's ultimately up to the client. That's my position currently. Um, Mary and I, Mary Draper, who heads up our quality and, you know, she's a, in our company. That's, mm -hmm. that's her job too. Um, she might say block it, right? Because um, even if you do include the 60, those are people taking a lot of surveys. Are they reflective? Right. Are they representative? That's the argument. Are they representative of a normal respondent? And that's what we're trying to determine. And so it's, you know, we're still trying to figure that out. And it circles back to what we started at this conversation was, does it mean they're a bad respondent? No. You might have 40 that you know are bad, but of that 60, are they bad? Or do they just take surveys because they want the points, the rewards, the cash, whatever. But if, if they're a good respondent, then, you know, their motivation doesn't really matter. Right. Right. Who knows? Anyway, that was, that was the conference. It was fun. I'm going to go every year. I think this will be yeah. my number one most yeah. preferred conference each year. Um, I mean, the national people are there, Melanie Courtright and Howard and uh, Charlene Darko and Jen and, Ginger and all of those people at National that I, you get emails from, 
you get to meet them in person and hang out with them. And now I know them pretty well and have banter with them. And so it's just kind of fun to get to know them. Uh, people who work full time at the Insight Association, um, not just, you know, us volunteers, they're full time employees. So it's kind of cool to hang out with them. And also go to your chapter, go to your chapter conferences. Ours in September, I mentioned earlier, but, you know, there's six chapters in the U.S. and they all have conferences. So try to attend. Yeah, I know you came back saying that it wasn't just you saying that the whole team that went with you said that was the best conference they'd ever been to. Um, yeah. You even said that. I remember you saying that last year after Philadelphia, where it was held lat the year before. Yeah. But you also came back and said, "Hey, we need to think about this differently because it is not what we think of a conference." Yeah, normally it, we want to. I, mean, I think it's an executive team conference. Um, it's a collaboration conference, and so you want to talk to your peers and you want to see what's happening in the industry. It's a trends conference. It's mm-hmm. uh, what's going on in our landscape conference. So there's a lot of CEOs there and there's a lot of insights people and a lot of thought leaders and um, a lot of really innovative companies. And so you really get to understand what's happening at not at a salesy level, you know, a lot of the conferences, they'll, is there a new technique and they come on stage and it's really cool stuff, but this is more, more similar to what's happening in the industry overall. Right. Some really cool technique. So it's a little different. Awesome. Well, that's all we had for scheduled for today. I know we wanted to talk about IA annual because that you took you down Hilton Head for most of last week. Unfortunately, other circumstances arose and you were not able to take the rest of that week off and enjoy the beach. Yeah, I was I was planning on staying down for a few more days and then the University of Georgia MMR board meeting just in Athens, not too far away, earlier this week on Monday, Tuesday. So I thought this would be perfect. I'll spend a weekend in Hilton Head and go to Athens, Georgia, which isn't a bad place to be in late April, early May, and then head back to Cincinnati. But that didn't work out. That's okay, though. We had a great opportunity. The reason we came back was to there was a vendor day at a, at a large um, CBG firm that us and like 12 other vendors were at and were there all day long and um, presented our capabilities to a large group of people. And it was really cool. So I was happy to do that. Loved it. It was so much fun. And you joked too, that you saw like six to seven people you saw in Hilton had the day before. Yes. Yeah, six or seven. The next day. <laughs> and yeah. that you beat some of them from, and they flew out of Hilton head and you beat them and you drove. Yeah. We drove straight back. Um, about 12 hours from Hilton Head to Cincinnati, Ohio, with a couple stops. But easy drive, beautiful drive. In the mountains, oh my gosh. Whew, you've been through there. I, I've done that drive. It is not Eastern bad. Tennessee and western North Carolina and the base of uh, Smoky Mountains and Appalachia. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to our uh, rambling on about the Inside Association National Conference and all of our fun times. Go see Brian in Austin, Texas in late May at IEX, and we'll talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.